How's it going, everyone? It's your boy Adam, the West Coast Bible teacher, and I just want to come at you this evening with a short Bible study. So this week, I'm going to have to cancel our Friday podcast, which we were uh, set to pick it up in 2 Samuel chapter 2. Um, I got caught up with some things at my job, and so I simply won't be able to do the podcast this week. But things should be back to normal and fine uh, next week to continue our Second Samuel study. But I don't want to leave you guys completely empty this week. And of course, most of you by now have seen that I posted my church teaching that I taught on Sunday at my church. And so uh, there's more to come in regards to that. Um, lots more to come, actually. In fact, next Monday night, I'll be teaching through Daniel 5 through 8 at my church, and I'll be recording that teaching and uh, posting it uh, for you guys to listen to. I know that's a random set of chapters, um, but I'm uh, I'm on a teaching rotation with a couple of other Bible teachers at the church. Uh, so, for instance, the other guy I teach with, he taught through Daniel 1 through 4 on Monday night this week, and so I'll be picking it up where he left off uh, next Monday. But anyway, the point is there will be some more content being featured on uh, this podcast, and I'm very excited about that. And since we won't be having the Friday podcast, I wanted to give you a little message tonight. And we're going to look at a very good passage, Isaiah 40, verses 28 through 31. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the Creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. You know, there are a lot of young men and women who think they're invincible. You have older teenagers, young adults even, you know, men in their late 20s, early 30s perhaps, and they have such a strong level of confidence. Much of their confidence revolves around traits that are connected to their youth. You have young men, for instance, who are physically strong. They go to the gym every week. Chads, they're called, within modern-day pop culture. A chad, according to Dictionary.com, <laughs> is someone who is a stereotypical alpha male, one who is depicted as attractive, successful, muscular, cocky, and very popular among women. And chads can perhaps be unkind and degrading to those who they deem as inferior to them. And you have young Christian men who are going through the young adult years, perhaps insecure, self-conscious about the way they look. And they see these chads, these alpha males, if you will, who are muscular because they go to the gym, and they're picking up women, and they have a new girlfriend every week and so forth. And there are young Christian men who are being influenced by social media, and they start to get envious towards these young men, these chads who they see. And you may have a meek, humble Christian man who all of a sudden thinks that he needs to change his entire way of behavior simply because he's tired of feeling like an outcast in society. 
There's nothing wrong with bettering yourself or going to the gym to work out, to get in shape, to get healthy. However, there is something wrong with making these things your primary concern and priority in this life. And so many young Christian men, they realize that something is lacking in their life. They realize that they aren't receiving the fulfillment that they desire. But their solution to this is to follow after the ways of this world. The Chad, who lives across from my apartment, you know, (laughs) he's driving a nice car, and he's dating the most beautiful woman, and he's confident, you know, he's confident. (laughs) Something that I lack, right? You know, I I want confidence, and, and therefore I wish to adopt his worldly lifestyle because I'm feeling empty inside. I crave fulfillment. I crave the confidence that I see in these other people. So I'm going to adopt this pattern of living, a pattern of living that may even involve me becoming very worldly in my outlook on life. You see, you're right. There is something lacking in your life. However, it may be that you're not putting the things of God first. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God. Now, there are other young people who have gotten caught up with the wrong crowd. They've gotten involved with gangs and violent crimes and these types of things. They've become troublemakers within society. And when they're caught up in a fist fight in the streets, they actually enjoy it. For them, there is an actual high, if you will, that they experience. And adrenaline is emitted within their senses when they get into a fist fight, especially when it results in them winning the fight on the streets. And we occasionally have interactions with such people in our day-to-day lives. For such young people might patronize a business that we work at, and we have to assist them whether it's at the cash register or handing them food in the drive-thru. And such people may try to intimidate you. They're rude to you. And if you try to protest or defend yourself, they threaten you. Hey man, I'm going to beat the heck out of you, you know, someone might tell you. And they probably won't use the word heck. (laughs) They might say something worse than that. But you might start to become envious of people who are tough or who have a very dominating personality. You might wish that you have the same tough personality that they do, or that you were fearless in confrontations like these tough people from the streets seem to be. And thus there's the temptation to try to develop the same personality and attitude. Even Christian men and women may get to the point where they feel as if to get by in this rough world They, too, have to become rough and tough and confrontational. You're tired of being verbally mistreated, and thus you're just going to throw it back at people from here on out. You want to develop the type of personality that these tough people from the streets have, people who have been in fistfights and lots of confrontations. But the time will come for each of these young men and women when their tough and confrontational attitude won't be of any help to them. The time will come when they finally 
meet their match. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. The young man who's on the streets picking fights with everyone will eventually pick a fight with the wrong person, and that individual will be stronger than them and will overpower them. A tough confrontational countenance won't rid you of all your problems, nor will it solve all your problems, because eventually you'll meet your match. You'll butt heads with someone who's nastier than you are. And your tough attitude won't get you anywhere in that moment. All it will do is get yourself beat up, probably, or in serious trouble. And thus the tough confrontational attitude that many develop in order to cope with the hostilities of this world oftentimes will result in that person's downfall. Now, going back to the subject of chads... (laughs) You might pursue a lifestyle like this, one where the focus is all on developing self-confidence and improving your self-image. But you see, the problem is that such a mindset is extremely self-centered. And pretty soon, as you devote your life to that which is only temporary, you'll find yourself worried and emotionally entangled with trivial things. Things that really won't matter much in the outlook of eternity. And it might get to the point where you've you've developed a bunch of baggage in your life by the time you're 30 as a result of dedicating so much of your time to that which is only temporary. You've made enemies with people you really didn't need to make enemies with. (laughs) But you saw them as competition to your goals, whether it was achieving more success in the workplace or wherever it may have been. But I want to feel happy in life, you might say. I want to achieve happiness. I want to feel more self-confident with myself. I want to improve myself in areas that I lack in. Hey, there's no problem with self-improvement. But we need to let God be the one who guides our self-improvement. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, so that He will then direct your path. The life we live is far from easy. However, we cannot rely upon earthly means to get through it or cope with the challenges that life will no doubt bring. It's not God's will for you to develop a confrontational personality, one who is ready to cuss out, or talk back to anyone who gives you a dirty look, or has a conflict with you. Such would be very unwise. It would be an unwise way to live. We need to pick and choose our battles wisely, and we need to always allow God to be the one who guides us when traversing difficult waters. Young people, and people in general, usually rely upon mere human abilities to deal with the social pressures, difficulties, and expectations of life. But as children of the Most High, we are expected to refrain from reliance upon mere human ability, and instead we must always seek to rely upon God's ability to guide us through life and deliver us from attack. And God indeed does have the ability to do this. (laughs) For we read here that He... We'll never grow tired or weary. 
and his understanding, God's understanding, no one can fathom. When we're at the point in life where we're losing hope, we can always hope in the Lord. Even when situations seem hopeless and without any practical solution, we can have peace knowing that the one who is the creator of the ends of the earth does indeed have the ability to deliver us out of our seemingly insurmountable situation. Therefore, we need to hope in the Lord, for they that hope in the Lord will renew their strength. When Isaiah wrote this, the Israelites were on the verge of captivity. Things were about to get very tough for many of the Hebrew people, and there would come a point where all would look hopeless. Yet even though God allowed his people to enter into captivity as a result of his discipline, he didn't intend for them to lose all hope. Even in captivity, the Israelites were to hope in the Lord, because it was the Lord who would then be able to deliver them from their captivity. And therefore those who kept their eyes upon God during the time of captivity were not completely and mentally and emotionally destroyed by the unfortunate circumstances of the captivity. And as believers, those of us who simply keep our trust in the Lord and in His guidance over our lives, we won't become completely emotionally and mentally debilitated when the storms hit. We also won't get ourselves into trouble by relying upon our own ways of achieving success or completing the tasks that we need to complete throughout life. We won't find ourselves one day weary and depressed because we spent so much of our life occupied on things that simply weren't God's will for us to pursue or dedicate ourselves to. We put our hope in the things that we thought would make us happy, but ultimately these things will fail us and won't provide us the happiness that we thought they would. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. John N. Oswalt writes, To wait on God is not simply to mark time, rather it is to live in confident expectation of His action on our behalf. It is to refuse to run ahead of Him in trying to solve our problems for ourselves. And the majority of people living in the world today believe that it is up to them alone to solve their problems. Thus, people like I mentioned develop tough confrontational personalities. Because, hey, I'm not going to let anyone walk all over me or step on my toes. <laughs> and then you have other young people looking to give their lives fulfillment and happiness but instead of fully surrendering their lives to God, they develop lifestyles that are incredibly self-centered and are only concerned with fulfilling their temporary fleshly needs. But hey, I don't know about you, <laughs> but in this day and age, especially as things in this world are just going south, I don't want to leave it up to me to solve my problems, to navigate through the obstacles of life. No, no, no. I want to wait on God. I want to trust in Him. Those who fully wait upon the Lord and give the entirety of their lives over to Him will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will walk and not be weary. 
They will run and not faint. God wants to use the life that He's given to you to its fullest potential. Those who wait upon God won't be rid of difficulties or stressors. However, the difference is that they won't be thrown off course when challenges arise. They'll stay focused in the midst of hardship, in the midst of testing, and they'll be able to complete the divine purpose and plan that the Lord has intended for their lives. So what camp do you want to be in? The camp that is trying hard to rely upon their own resources and ways of navigating throughout life? Or do you want to be in the camp that is always looking to God for guidance? The one who created all things, whose strength never fails, and whose understanding surpasses even that of the angels. The choice has indeed been given to us. So pray about it. Consider it. And I pray you make the right choice. This has been the West Coast Bible Teacher, everyone. Have a blessed rest of the week. And uh, next week we will continue our study in Second Samuel.